What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush Friday interview edition. Uh, this one was recorded just a couple of days ago, everyone. We had Alex Williams from The Office in. And uh, Alex is, he's great. He's such a cool guy. Um, he started, I think he came by way of Noel Brown, uh, which, you know, if Noel recommends you, then you're, you've got to be a good person. And that was certainly the case with Alex. He started working here uh, quite a while ago and was supremely talented from the very beginning and was just doing a great job like producing and editing and engineering shows. And then one day dropped a little, I like to say dropped a little package on my desk, but it was by way of email. And he said, hey, dude, I made a pilot of something. And that's kind of one of the great things about this job is, uh, you know, if you've got the wherewithal and the time, you can just go make something. Because we got all the stuff and we have the resources and the equipment. And the answer is usually yes. And so he dropped this thing on my desk and he said, uh, just give this a listen. It was really great. It was one of the best uh, podcast pilots I'd heard, or really best podcast episodes I had heard in any genre for a long, long time. And I brought it to the boss and said, hey, we should do this. And uh, Alex ended up doing it in full. It's called Ephemeral is the name of his show. And uh, we talk about that here at the beginning of this episode. But it's really, really great. I can't recommend it enough. Um, It's very bingeable. The uh, second to last episode is coming out this Monday following this episode. Then the final episode will be out a week after that. Uh, and it'll be 10 long. Um, give it a shot. Listen to that pilot. I think you might enjoy it, uh, Movie Crushers. So Alex picked Ed Wood, uh, a movie I very, very much enjoy and that I hadn't seen in a while. And it was a treat to go back and watch this beautiful black and white film from Tim Burton and uh, Johnny Depp when they were both firing on all cylinders. And uh, we had a good time talking about it just now. So here we go with Alex Williams on Ed Wood. 
How are you doing? I'm fine, man. How are you? I'm good. How is, uh, well, I wanted to talk to you about ephemeral first, so let's talk about ephemeral. And what, uh, how's, how's, how's it going with that? How are you feeling now that it's over? It's not over. Is well, I mean, over? over for you. Like, you're done. Not at all. Oh, you're not? No. Oh. <laughs> I, well, I don't, when is this going to come out? Uh, two days. <laughs> I will not be done in two days. Okay. Uh, so we have um, the 10th episode is the final episode of the first season, and that's, I think, July 15th. It's whatever. But you're still working on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was all in the can and done. That would be nice. Yeah. But no, it's, uh, it's, in, it's, all, it's all there, I think. It's all in pieces. Yeah. There's a, maybe I'm going to go. Uh, I have to do some things, some help my dad move some things this, this Saturday. So uh-huh. <laughs> he's got a closet full of VHS tapes that I am going to look for a few specific things. Oh, that's I'm going to grab a recorder here. For the show? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I should tell everybody, I've been recommending the show anyway, so hopefully... Some like, and you got a lot of good response on the or the uh, uh, movie crush page. Like people are into it, but I, I should tell the story that you sent just sort of out of the blue a um, pilot episode and said, "Hey, I've been working on something." It was a surprise, landed in the inbox, and it was one of the best things I'd heard in a long, long time. Well, thank you. So I would like to know more about your inspiration for the show ephemeral originally ephemera oh don't bring that back into it that <laughs> makes, i had i called it the wrong thing for like a month but yes um like where, where, what what interests you about that well you know we uh, we had been kicking around lots of ideas for different things and uh tristan and i had specifically just would kind of go out after work and mm-hmm. like get a couple of beers and just like Throw as many ideas, and we, yeah. you know, most of them were probably really bad. Uh-huh. Sometimes working in a bubble like that is good, and sometimes yeah. not as good. But uh, one of my ideas was to do something with, um, with tape specifically. Uh, you know, I always loved sort of freeform radio kind of stuff and mm-hmm. uh, uh, things that did really s- strange mashups of tapes. Yeah, that's not enough for a show idea, really. But aesthetically, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, and that particular tape that starts off the pilot, that starts off the show, really was the genesis of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, in your own words, describe what your show is, uh, because some people, the word ephemeral might even escape them as to its me- very meaning. Yeah, I mean, you look up ephemeral in a dictionary, it says um, uh, something not lasting for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, something fleeting. So uh, the show is, you know, in a nutshell... Um, it's a history podcast. It talks about... It really is. That's interesting. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great compliment. <laughs> um, uh, uh, for, forgotten moments in history or, or moments that weren't well documented and, uh, and in you know, illuminating those corners sort of uh, and telling those stories, we try to, whenever possible, uh, use the actual media or mm-hmm. documentation that exists. So if, if there's like one recording of something... We try to play it, you know, yeah. if there's, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, one film made about something or one book written about something. We try to, we try to always capture, you know, the actual yeah. uh, uh, source material from it. And sometimes there's nothing and we just recreate it from thin air because you can do that. In a right. Podcast. But yeah. it's like you call it a history podcast and it is. But when you say little known history, like I don't want people to get the idea that it's, you know, here is this, this little known story from World War II that you might not have learned in school because it's not that either. 
Well, maybe there's a few of those, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for the pilot, so there's a, a I think it's a, a 120 seconds or so uh-huh. of a reel-to-reel tape starts it off. There's a tape collector named Bob Purse. Oh, it's reel-to-reel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a tape collector named Bob Purse um, who is in the Chicago area. And since the 80s, he's been going around to flea markets, yard sales, any place that you can just find used audio stuff. Mm-hmm. And specifically, he focuses on um, reel-to-reel tapes, but he does all kinds of other things, too. And he goes around and buys things that are, like, unlabeled. Mm-hmm. That's brave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> strange labels. Yeah. Or just look interesting. And he knows um, the tape boxes. So if he sees this tape box, he's like, wow, that tape looks like it's from the early 50s. Okay. Which would make it incredibly rare because right. home record- he's specifically interested in home recordings. Uh-huh. This tape is... Um, this 120 seconds is, it's just a scene from a family. Yeah. Um, you know, they're talking about the tape recorder. There's a, there's some kids in it. There's a girl named Gail uh-huh. who kind of gets handed the microphone. She's maybe the oldest kid there and is sort of just like reticent to talk at first, but then just starts talking and, and uh, it's almost doing sort of a little bit like doing a little show into it. And yeah. Reminded me of the kind of things that I would do like with my, you know, I, I'm, I wasn't born in the, this is probably from the early sixties. I was born in. 1989. So like in a micro cassette or like in right. a tape deck or my parents answering machine. Right, right. I would record, uh, you know, just just thought it was amazing to hear yeah. your own voice come back at you. Yeah, I think the first time kids play with uh, tape recorders, it's, I mean, that's sort of the little entryway into what could become a passion for filmmaking or being in a band or any sort of creative uh, outlet like that. But like hearing... Hearing those, that 120 seconds, like there's, there's this peeking into someone's life quality mm-hmm. that really like grabbed me right off the bat. Like to find a tape that's so personal at a garage sale and to pop it in. And it's almost like you have a little piece of that person's life all of a sudden. And there are lots of tapes like that that are sort of slice of life. And there's something special about that one. Yeah, uh, You know, Bob Purse, like I said, has been doing this for 40 years or something. And that's one of his like shining examples. Really? When I came to him and and asked him if if I could use it, he was like, I'm so happy you picked that one. Uh Is that there's something, there's just a spark in that one. Yeah. That really sort of crystallized. I'm getting chills thinking about it. I love it. (laughs) How did you find that? And how did you find him? Oh, just being a crate digger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, just a sound junkie, man. Yeah. uh, just, you know, you you wander around on the internet and you find weird corners. I'm sure some friend turned me on to it. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember being in uh, high school and like this was pre, uh, I graduated from high school the year you were born. So this is pre, obviously, any kind of internet or any sort of electronic sharing of anything. Mm. So when things were shared, they were dubbed and passed around and, uh, there were viral things, but we just, obviously that word wasn't used and it was viral by way of making copies and distributing them among friends. And then it's like all literally could go all over the country, whether it's like the jerky boys, uh, you know, the jerky boys, I don't know the jerky oh, boys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they, they made a movie at some point, but the jerky boys were these prank callers. They literally got a movie deal. I, I don't think I even saw the movie. And, and I think the movie ended up being some really stupid thing. But in high school, it was one of those things that somehow you got a copy of the Jerky Boys cassette. Right. And there were these 
really weird kind of great prank calls and they were legendary or this the original south park mm-hmm. uh christmas thing okay yeah that you know it got out in hollywood and it was dubbed and dubbed and dubbed i ended up getting a vhs copy in central new jersey <laughs> before south park ever airs so oh my god it's just Do you funny. still have it uh no 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 i don't have that original vhs that's sure. what a piece of ephemera is that's what it is. Is to actually have it in your hand. I, will, I mean, something that survives right. because someone made the decision that this should be curated, this should be preserved. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are plenty of them out there, but it's just interesting that things could go viral back then even through uh, hard work, not hard work, but, you know, you, you didn't have to click something. You had to record, hand it to your friend, label it, and then they would pass it around. And that's like, does this guy, does he... Are these only for him or does he post these things for others or is it? Right. When he started, I mean, there was no, there was really no sharing either, except for in his circle of friends. I think he, you know, has a number of record collector friends and things. And have you gotten to know him? Bob Purse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you guys are like pals? Well, uh, yeah, you know, I'd say so. Uh, uh, you know, we uh, have only ever worked together. We don't go out together. He had... But he he heard your show, I imagine. Oh, yeah, we've done two episodes together. Yeah. So so he, you know, gave me permission, basically, carte blanche, use whatever you want. Just, right. like, send me a link because I'd like to hear it. Yeah. I don't think he had any idea of, like, <laughs> the sort of the larger scheme of the whole thing. Right, right. Uh, uh, and then uh, we did an episode together. Um, you've heard that one, yeah, with the Marigold Moreland tapes. Yep. Uh, uh, which is, uh, I don't want to say too much about it, but it's... Um, it's a little bit of an epic yeah. that unfolds over the course of a number of years. He found a mysterious, an unlabeled acetate, which is a home-recorded yeah. 78, uh, real thick record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and and tried to figure out who was on it for years and years and years. Amazing. And finally did. Yeah. And it's a happy ending, and it's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great episode. Um, but you also kind of branch out. It's not like, because um, I wasn't even sure what the show was going to be after the pilot. I was like, I love what I'm hearing. But like, what's next? But you branch out into other things. You tell the story in one episode of The Collier Brothers, um, who uh, Josh and I talked about on Stuff You Should Know at some point. Oh, my know. gosh. I can't believe I didn't look that up. Sometimes I sort of put horse blinders on when I'm working oh, on I mean, one, so I don't... It I certainly should, doesn't I should go matter. listen to that. Yeah, it, it, was, it was interesting. Um, or, or maybe it was a video we did. I don't remember. But we covered them at some point. Uh, it might have been in the hoarding episode, actually, now that I think about it, appropriately enough. Yeah. But, you know, famously in New York City, these two brothers who are hoarders. You're in that episode. Because, oh, am I really? Yeah. You are. Um, Charles Smith is the, is the name. Someone called the police to report. Homer oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot I did that line reading. And my, I had, you know, I don't think I was in the studio and I had left you guys instructions. Yeah. You know, and it was like. I didn't think you would have used that. <laughs> it was like uh, New York, but not to New York. And God. I think you gave me some options that were more oh, subdued. Yeah, and then you gave that. me some where they were way over the top. I think I just and assumed I, you would not have used that. And I went somewhere in the middle. Oh, I used it. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not one to waste tape. But the Collier brothers became uh, these boogeymen to kids in New York, too, which was a really interesting outcome to these two guys who were hoard- like famous hoarders and died in this apartment, right? Didn't they die in there? They did. Yeah, it's very tragic. But they became this, like, for New York kids, you know, beware, like, you're going to become like the Collier brothers. Yeah. It's so strange. Again, this, like, almost like viral moment that gets passed around by word of mouth. And in that one, it's hard to sometimes to separate um, the truth from the fiction. Yeah. There was 11 newspapers in New York then. Oh, uh, in, God, in tabloids crazy. and things. Yeah. And, uh, and even, you know, 
proper newspapers aren't don't always <laughs> print all the facts quite right. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, there's really there's one book on the Collier Brothers again. That's by Franz Lids, uh-huh. uh, who is interviewed in the episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he did a fantastic job, I think, trying to cut through the clutter. And this is the thing. These are the things that we know. And here's the long list of things that we'll never know. Right. Yeah. What is your favorite episode? Uh, so the one I'm working on now is 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 uh, all kind of personal stuff. It's my dad, my best friend, my wife, and Matt Frederick, our uh-huh. one uh, wonderful producer here, who was also like uh, a, the officiator at my wedding. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, uh, That's a great guy to get married to. I feel very lucky. Well, not get married to. Get married by. Get, <laughs> any way you want to slice it. Happy to have him. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that one. But like I said, it's in pieces right now. The episode that just came out on Monday, it'll be... It used to be Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's called Just Switchboard. It's about the first uh, female soldiers of the U.S. Army oh. who were switchboard operators. Yeah. Uh, it's um, from a book uh, and it interviews uh, historian Elizabeth Cobbs, uh-huh. who's was on the Pulitzer Prize Committee, was on the History Department for the U.S. or History uh, Board for the U.S. State Department, has done PBS documentaries. She's this incredibly, her resume yeah. is, you know... Uh, so, but it's a, and it's a wide reaching story because you do telephone history. Mm-hmm. You start with Alexander Graham Bell and then you do women's suffrage. Mm-hmm. You do World War One. You do, I mean, you know, a spoiler alert. These women came back from World War One and were denied all of the benefits that other soldiers were. Mm-hmm. Most of them went to the grave without military honors. Yeah. And it wasn't until with, with the, uh, pursued efforts of uh, the, the woman leading the charge, Merle Egan, one of the switchboard operators. They're called Hello Girls in the World uh-huh. in the War, which is an antiquated term now, but that's a right. that's the name of the book. If anyone wants to look it up, uh, you know, uh, m- women like Merle Egan and uh, and and colleagues of her petitioning and petitioning and petitioning all the way up to Jimmy Carter. Wow, for recognition as soldiers in this war, and finally got it in the 1970s through from Carter. Uh, I think how I think, could he deny him? He's Jimmy Carter. He's the best. <laughs> Yeah, they, um, what it was is they got on... I'm sure there's a lot of red tape involved, too. There was some blatant sexism involved, sure. too. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, it's an, inf- it's an infuriating, but it's also a beautiful story. It's got great characters in it. I mean, that just came right out of history books and came al- alive talking to, uh, to Elizabeth Cobb. So that's, that's probably my favorite, but I do sort of like them all. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that sounds like a good movie. You want to help me finance it? I think we can do it. <laughs> Did you say there was a documentary on it? There's a PBS documentary called The Hello Girls 2 that's, uh-huh. um, that's, a, that's from the book. Uh, Elizabeth Cobbs is married to a uh, documentary filmmaker. And they've made a couple of PBS documentaries together. Interesting. It just seems like, you know, a time when they're doing these more little like hidden figures and more uh, little known stories from history, especially about women. And there's great footage, too, like that I had nothing that I couldn't use because it's all silent footage. Yeah. There's this amazing footage of these these operators, and some of them I can recognize by name now wow. from, you know, from, from working on this. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, you know, in just by the trenches in, in France, connecting calls yeah. and making, I mean, she, telephones, this was the first war with telephones. Yeah. They changed everything. Oh, they became totally. the, the, the synapses of the central nervous system uh-huh. of the army. Yeah. That's amazing. God, we should do, uh, not to steal your ideas, but <laughs> I think an episode on switchboards would be pretty good. Oh yeah, for uh, stuff you should know. That's I've, like, I've got a little bit of research you can you like can, how they literally work. Start. Yeah, it's crazy. I've got I've got a great book on it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what do you um? 
What do you want to do next, man? Like, is there a season two of this? In my head and in a note on my computer, there sure is. Oh, really? Yeah. So you've got ideas already? Oh, there's no shortage of ideas. For episodes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's sort of finding that sweet spot of, like, something that's rare enough. Right. also maybe has, like, if there's, like, one book written on it, that's uh-huh. pretty good. Yeah. And also someone that would be good to talk to. Maybe the book's been published recently. Uh, or, uh, you know, not everything comes from a book either. Um, I like talking to record collectors, people that run record labels. Yeah. Uh, musicians. I got some, a couple of music episode ideas. Are you a collector of ephemera yourself? I am, and I wish I wasn't. It, like I, what kind of stuff? I am really in the middle of it right now, clearing out this, we're painting a room, we're moving some, I'm setting up a new studio in my studio office in my house. So, uh, tapes, yeah. CDs. VHS. I have Victoria's family. Um, my wife uh, recorded every second of their childhood. Oh, uh, really? On VHS. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. The more uh, we advance, it's like that old Norm Macdonald joke about pictures of your grandfather. Did you ever hear that one? Late on me. Oh, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but you know, he's in true Norm Macdonald style. He's talking about his grandfather. He's like, I got like, there's like four pictures of my grandfather. <laughs> And then he's talking about nowadays. He's like, what do you think like our grandkids are going to be like? You want to see, I have 350,000 pictures of my grandparents yeah, like on my computer. And it's just weird to think about because our, I mean, mine certainly, and my parents more so, you a little less so as we go through the generations. But uh, there's so little of our past. Mm. And now there's increasingly more and more and more. And it's strange to think of a future. There, I, I don't know if, one is better than the other to like not know things or is there too much? Do you need 200,000 pictures of yourself one day? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a straight line, right? Like it's not, uh-huh. it doesn't just trend upwards. Um, one of the things is that I was just talking to my dad about this. Who's a, like a uh, IT guy, data management guy uh-huh. uh, that y- y- people are crappy at managing their data Right. So, yeah, for sure. You know, maybe you have 350,000 photos of your kid, but you have them on a single hard drive and that hard drive dies one day. I know that's <laughs> or they're all out in the cloud and Google goes out of business. I know that's that sounds crazy, but, you know, now I'm with you, man. Like uh, there, there's something trustworthy about a tape or about obviously you need to be able to play it on something. But like a physical object you can hold feels sturdy and trustworthy. Yeah. You know, there's also something to have been uh, talking to Matt and talking to my wife and some of my friends about this lately. When you have this picture of your grandfather or this this tape cassette that's mm-hmm. got, you know, this lost this person that's passed away, their voice on it. Yeah. And when you it, you physically inter- interface with it, you hold the tape that they had. You maybe wind a little bit of loose tape back into mm, it. I remember s- those days. Yeah. You <laughs> slide it in the tape player, you hit the button and you do all of all of that sensory interaction that you have, yeah, that it primes you for when when that you know that crispy audio hits yeah. your ears and you know goes into your brain. There's a t- it's it's almost like holding hands, you know, through yeah. the beaded curtain uh, is is the way that Elizabeth Cobbs put it. You know, yeah, kind of reaching back and grabbing that phantom, totally, seeing if there's man. someone on the other side. Yeah, and even like physical things can be fixed. Like uh, a tape can break, and you can repair it if it's special enough. I mean, I used to throw cassettes in the garbage when they broke, but you can mend tape. Oh, yeah. I and mean, that's what how films were edited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taping 
little tapettes. That's that's what they literally mean when you, when they say cutting tape. <laughs> right. You would cut with a razor blade. In yeah. fact, funny enough, when I went to the uh, NYU's evening and weekend program film school in the mid '90s, like we were the last couple of classes to do that stuff. Wow. And a year later, everything I learned was just down the garbage. I went to I went to film school here in. It, Georgia State, and it was in that time. It was like 2007 was when I started college. When um, everyone was kind of confused about what the format was going to be. Like we right. were in digital, but no, one, everyone was vying for. And so we were doing like mini DV, tape. mini DV, yeah, totally irrelevant. Now I have tons of those left. The Canon, uh, what was the big hot shit camera that Canon had? The XL1. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. sure. <laughs> I saw that was I, like the most advanced shit ever when it came out. And then, and then that was right when too. By the time I was, you know, maybe a, a saw. A, a, what are the levels of college? You go freshman, freshman sophomore, sophomore, junior, senior. Junior. There you go. <laughs> like a junior, senior in college. With a, a Canon uh, specifically started making DSLRs that could shoot video. Yeah. And that screwed everybody up too. Like, wait, now we have photo cameras that are shooting video, and you can put new lenses on them. Yeah. And, it was it was it was wild. I think it's maybe settled down a little bit more. Yeah, I was out of the loop there for a little bit because I remember when I first saw someone shooting video on a on a DSLR, I was like, "What is that guy doing?" Right? <laughs> it's like he can't. Yeah. Does he realize that that's for pictures? They broke all the rules, man. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, still, I mean, they don't necessarily work that well for that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Um, I guess this comes out on Friday, and the last episode will release what a couple of weeks. From now? So if we're... This will be out on the 5th of July. Yeah, there'll be a new episode on uh, the following Monday. Uh-huh. And then there'll be one more after that. Okay, so the penultimate episode follows this release. Exactly. On yes. Monday. Yes. All right, this is good timing then. Yeah. Because I think it's a very bingeable show. Thank you. Um, it's the kind of thing where uh, I, I like a 8 to 10 episode thing when it comes to podcasts. I can really sink my teeth into that over the course of like a week. It feels kind of complete. Yeah. I hope at least. I think it will. I think so. Do you feel, did you try, is there a larger arc going on? Well, I mean. I assume the order is very much thought out. It, you know, it was, it did, it did change as we went, you know, to, for different things. And they, they all, I wanted them all to be able to stand alone. Mm -hmm. But I do think if you listen to. And even the trailer, which is kind of like an eleventh episode, you know, like a like a bonus episode. Yeah. It's 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 an eight minute trailer, so it's it's substantial. It holds its own too. I I hope. Um, What'd you I, do for the trailer? That's about my um, me making shows on my answering machine, oh. and you get to hear what my voice sounded like <laughs> when I was about maybe eight nine years old. Does your accent change at all? My accent is your accent different than it is now. I uh, I think I said you don't have much of an accent. I'm from uh, Michigan, and then I grew up in Atlanta, so just met metropolitan areas. Okay, because I heard an old cassette of myself recently, and I had a very southern accent. Are you are you from the south? Yeah, I'm from here. Yeah. And now I don't have too much of an accent. Um, people rib me for certain things I say, but uh, yeah. when I heard this cassette, I was like, that was me? Because I didn't work on losing it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It just happened, so I was curious if you had like a... A big Michigan accent or something? No, no. I uh, I think I sound pretty much the same. Like the amount of vocal fry that I'm talking with right now is pretty much the same. But you were a cute little kid. I was a <laughs> precocious little kid. I was, I mean, I was stupid and, you know, and, sure. and but I was also, I was probably pretty interesting. There's some things I'd like to tell that kid, but, you know. Right. Uh, things worked out okay. 
He had to take some bumps and bruises in between <laughs> then and now. And that's you, one of those things that's about with tape. You just, I mean, it's like t- time travel. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about that tape right now. I can hear it in my head. Uh-huh. And I'm back in my dad's office. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, it is interesting. These visceral moments and these memories. Um, and I often, uh, and I've talked about this before with having a daughter, I often wonder about what her first memories are. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense now. That's why parents are so close to their kids. It's because you've got three years with them where you remember everything and they don't remember anything. So, like, we've already banked all this love with this girl. I never She's thought not about gonna it remember, She doesn't remember any of it. She's not going to remember any of it. Let me, let me ask you this. When you, do you do a lot of documentation of your, like, pictures, audio recordings, videos? Uh, yeah, not obsessively, but, you know, plenty of pictures, video, when we think about it. But I'm not one of those... Um, even though I think I intended to, like that picture a day thing, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can put it together and watch her grow. And I did that for like two weeks and I stopped. <laughs> so it's more when the inspiration hits me, right. which I'm okay with, instead of like, I feel like I need to get this stuff. It's a tough balance. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a burden, right? It's a dilemma. If it to, is. When to document and when to not. Yeah, and when to just, because it does remove you from the moment a bit Absolutely. when you pull that fucking phone out. I think I think it's it can be incredibly pervasive. Mm-hmm. If you're videotaping. Let me. Did you get her first words or when some of her early her early words or anything recorded? Uh, sure. Early words we we got just sort of by happenstance. Um, first steps oh. on video because wow. I was we were in her room and I was like I I just sensed it's like she's close. So I got the phone out and sure enough, man, boom. How old is, how old is a kid when they take the first steps? Uh, well, it can vary. She was an early walker. She walked at ten months, but it, it's uh, typically anywhere from there to, geez, even eighteen months. Sometimes you know, Kids like when you see time. the human, the history of human evolution. Right. It's like when they stood up. Yeah. That's yeah. when. That's right. when the thing happened. <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of true. You know, once you can locomote, you can fucking get places. <laughs> that's amazing. And it's all over. But yeah, just the it's interesting to think about memories and like, what is the first thing she's going to remember? And even once kids do start remembering, like, what do you remember between the ages of four and seven? Nothing. Very I mean, vague. Memories pro- of if, memories of memories. They're yeah, copies, if you wrote yeah. down a list, it would probably be like, I don't know, 30 things most. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Less. So like, it takes a while to yeah. really bank these memories. And in the meantime, your parents are just soaking it all in. Yeah. That's why parents just, you know, they don't want to let go. And the kids are like, what's the big deal? Why are you all over me? Why do you love me so much? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I was with you for four years before you knew shit. That's wow. what you should say. How is your kid four now? Yeah, she's going to be four very soon. Wow. You into kids? I love kids. I have... Um, for yourself, though? You I have six nieces and nephews coming to stay at my house in a couple oh, of weeks. nice. They're with their parents, so eight people coming and staying at our house. So we're, that's one of the reasons that we're doing Move, the... Moving stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying. This gotcha. weekend is going to be me editing in one room and Victoria painting the room next to it. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. You seem like you'd be a good dad. I uh, I uh, very much am looking forward to... I got married in... Um, uh, I, was say, I, yeah, I know when I got married. Right? Uh, October of last year. <laughs> uh, so, you know... You guys got time. You're young. Uh, shall we talk about Ed Wood? Never seen it. No, yeah, sure. So before we talk about Ed Wood, actually, I take that back. Um, I do want you to uh, tell folks a little bit about your your real favorite movie pick, which I didn't allow you to go with. <laughs> oh, the point, yeah. 1970, Harry Nilsson, Nielsen, I guess you say. Yeah. Uh, the songwriter, uh, I think, now I didn't do all the research on this, but I think uh, I think published it 
as like a comic book first? Yeah, I did a little research too, because I was curious. And the only reason I uh, talked you out of it like a jerk was <laughs> just something all. a little less obscure that like people can actually it's find. Obscure. Like my in-laws knew it. You know? Well, yeah, that's that's a good point. But your in-laws don't listen to the show. <laughs> My mother-in-law listens to Ephemeral. She's she's oh, that's nice. And she's not she does does. really not really like her phone. I'm not that she doesn't like her phone, but she doesn't. Yeah, she's like a Google phone, and I I, I doesn't really enjoy using it. Yeah, so know. she made um, the effort. She got to the podcast somehow and that's has good. listened to multiple episodes of it. So, anyways, um, that's really nice. The point is one of those movies I caught at some point, maybe on TV as a kid. And was just really weirded out. What is So it's this? animated. It is animated. And it's all set to the music of Harry Nilsson. Yes. And the music has nothing to do, well, about 50% of the time has nothing to do with what's going on on screen. Yeah. It just, songs just kind of come and take you away. And then you come back to the story. It's definitely a relic from a certain time. Oh, yeah. Like it just reeks of the 70s. It's so psychedelic, man. Yeah. It is probably the trippiest kids movie I can think of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well... I just wanted to throw that in there because I know uh, people like to hear about obscure sort of uh, psychedelic movies from now, the seventies that they've never I heard of. I resist the label obscure for that. I, you know, I guess I mean Harry Nilsson certain wasn't obscure, right? Uh, you're right, but it wasn't like the Disney Snow White or anything like oh, that. Oh no, I, I don't know what studio produced it. The, the animator, the uh, the director, Fred Wolf, had worked on like Puff the Magic Dragon. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, it uses, like, watercolors in the animation and stuff. I mean, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, to put it judiciously, if you're looking for something sort of psychedelic, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's certainly a, fu a fun one to watch. Yeah. And the music's great. I mean, the soundtrack, I know every... I could sit at a piano right now and play out the whole soundtrack for you, I bet. Do you play piano? I'm not... I'm no, I'm no Harry Nielsen, but I, uh, I dabble. Oh, yeah. interesting. I just got a keyboard, so we'll see how that goes. Are you transitioning? Because you're a guitarist, yeah? I am. Um, I am too. I'm, I'm very yeah. uh, famous in my household for buying musical instruments and not learning them. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, I've, at various points, I've had uh, lap pedal steel guitars. I have a violin in my closet. Me too. Uh, not the steel I'm about to buy a steel guitar. Really? I'm just saving the money for it. Yeah. Like a pedal steel or a lap steel? Lap steel. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a pedal steel? I did. Wow. Uh, I bought a Carter starter, which is a good uh, little entry-level uh, Carter pedal steel. And I got to where I could make a couple of the swells, mm. which is like, it's. I got it because it's my favorite sound in the it's, world. It's magic. It yeah. really may, might be my favorite sound in the world is the swell and the bend of a pedal steel guitar. Yeah. And I learned how to make that one sound and then stopped. <laughs> I would probably get to the same place. It's really hard. I have a theremin. Oh, do you? That's how I feel about theremin. I can go like, of course you do. <laughs> and then, and then that like... does not surprise me at all. <laughs> Did you build it? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, Noel could totally do that. Uh, build a theremin? Yeah. He probably could. Noel, Tristan. There's lots of, there's lots of folks here that could do that. I bought it. Yeah. I love the versatility of all you guys, though, because um, it seems like everyone does a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And like the talent pool we have in, in this company and the, uh, engineering and producing department is really pretty staggering, I think. I, I wonder if people had the experience that I've, that I've had where it's like, I was sort of, I had a film degree, I was mostly bartending, yeah. and I had all these things I was interested in, I'm like, how does it go together? What am I doing? Am I wasting right. my time on all these projects? And then you get somewhere, he, like, he, like here where it's, it, it almost runs like a, uh, 
a creative think tank, like a yeah. co-op, where it's like any idea is a good idea. Yeah. And everyone sort of feeds off each other's energy. And you're like, oh, all these all these things that I didn't know why I was wasting my time on right. now come into play. And yeah. they sort of, they, you know, amp me up. <laughs> yeah. And you've got this little arsenal yeah. at your disposal. Um, otherwise known as your talents, <laughs> but now you're in a job where like they're all coming into play and you came in at a great time too, because I got really lucky. Yeah. Like now you guys are all walking up the ladder and the, and the network is growing and no one to thank more than Noel Brown, Jerry Rowland too. A couple, <laughs> yeah. couple of our old friends. I think everyone should just know you just pointed to two empty chairs <laughs> <laughs> as if they were here. As if they were dead. <laughs> you pointed in one chair at, at Invisible Noel and in another chair for Invisible Jerry. <laughs> as far as I know, I saw, I saw Noel re recently. He was alive. I haven't seen Jerry that recently, but I assume uh, she's, she's okay. She's okay. at home this week. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, so let's get into Ed Wood then, since that was your pick. What is uh, written in uh, by Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski, um, directed, of course, by Tim Burton, who we'll get into Tim Burton here in a sec, uh, released in 1994, won two Oscars uh, for, obviously, Mar Martin Landau, right? Martin Landau won, yeah. also the Golden Globe, very much deserved, and then one for hair and makeup, right. which... Uh, Again, for the character Bela Lugosi, I think. Yeah, and kind of everything, um, because what I really noticed, and I'd seen this movie several times before, but watching it last night, again, uh, through the studied lens, it really, like, just knocked me out with the craftsmanship that was on display. Mm -hmm. Like, the costumes look great. He got Colleen Atwood to do the costumes. It's his legend. Mm -hmm. And... uh the cinematography, that black and white cinematography is just so gorgeous. And the sets, 
and everything. It felt like a bit of a love, and I think it probably was a bit of a love letter to old school craftsmanship and filmmaking, uh, because that's sort of what the movie's about, even though it's about the worst filmmaker who ever lived, supposedly. Right. Or he has that title, at least. Yeah. I think Tim Burton also, and probably, you know, Johnny Depp and, and some others were fans of Ed Wood. I'm sure. Like, I'm a fan of Ed Wood. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, an, it's a fascinating paradox to make a great movie about a terrible movie or a terrible yeah. collection of movies. Like, did you see The um, Disaster Artist? I did. Yeah. Like, w- was that movie... But I haven't seen The Room. You've never seen The Room? I oh. still haven't seen The Room. It plays at the plaza, man. We should go sometime. Well, it's funny. I was, I was living in L.A. when The Room came out. And I would drive through Hollywood and see that guy's billboard. The billboard, yeah. And I, I remember me and my friend Scotty, we would just be like, what the fuck is that? Who is this guy? And we never got around to investigating and just never saw it. It's one of those, you know, with The Room, I feel like someone might disagree with me. But you hear so much about it, then you see it and you're like, oh, that's what it's like? Right. It's pretty small in scope. As opposed to something like Ed Wood, yeah. which tries to tackle way too much in a movie. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, Ed Wood, the filmmaker, not uh-huh. Ed Wood, the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his. let's talk about the guy. Like, his ambition, I mean, it's kind of one of the sweeter parts of this film, or this, like, undercurrent of this film is how uh, pure of heart and energetic and enthusiastic and and into this he all was. Like, he thought he was making great stuff. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I read a little, I, I learned some new things about it last night. I also rewatched it last night and then re- just read the Wikipedia page. Um, but it, it sounds like Johnny Depp read a bunch of... Uh, his old letters, letters and correspondences that oh. he had kept, ephemera. I bet that was, <laughs> that's uh, right. Plug. And, uh, uh, and that sort of unbridled optimism yeah. uh, came from that source. Because there's not really tape uh, right. video of Ed Wood being Ed Wood. Right. And he doesn't, um, like in the movie Ed Wood, he, uh, Johnny Depp playing Ed Wood plays like the lead in the, in the movies. Yeah, yeah, uh, for like sure. In plan, uh, not in Plan 9, but in Glenn or Glenda. Uh-huh. Uh, he plays the lead. And that, I don't think, was the case. I think there was an actor that played that part. Oh, okay. In, so in he wasn't life. in Glenn or Glenda? Yeah, that was a, a liberty taken by the filmmakers, I believe. Okay. Because I thought he was in it, no? I don't think so. Because his whole thing was... It was very much based I'm on I'm the him. only writer, producer, actor, and... Uh, and director in Hollywood, just me and Orson Welles. Me and Orson Welles, <laughs> yeah. Which they have that great scene at the end with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as Orson Welles. And he's dubbed, and I think it's Marie, uh, Maurice LaMarche doing the dub. Yeah, or... it's pretty poorly dubbed, too. I don't remember noticing that the first times I saw it, but last night I was like, oh, well, that's do- totally dubbed. I tell you what, I have always hated that part because of the dub is so bad. It doesn't sound like they're in the same room. It's... It doesn't. But the fact that, like, in this perfectly executed movie mm-hmm. there's something that's so blaringly badly done in it yeah i think sort of works because of the no, context you're of the right movie. <laughs> that's kind of he kind of had that in his hip pocket like if i fuck anything up it's an ed wood movie it's a, that's and true. i can just say it was homage let me say t- tim burton johnny depp at their prime too yeah i mean uh this is definitely peak depp um it, it was nice to go back and remember because he's just become such a shit show of a person in a career at this point i think it's sad he made so much money off those pirates movies and i had friends that worked on those and told me stories about him and he's just kind of a messed up guy yeah and it it was cool to go back and watch and remember 
sort of when he was just the best lightning in a bottle man yeah every i mean you just watch him just the things he does with his eyebrows you know yeah just the little just everything becomes electric when when he's when he's when he's on i noticed so many little just subtle facial movements and uh he's just so inhabits this guy uh with that that ever-present uh you know false tooth grin on his face (laughs) it's like part part maniacal Mm. part enthusiasm uh and then peak tim burton which let's let's unpack Tim Burton a bit. How do you sure. feel about him? I want to hear your take. I grew up with Tim Burton. I grew okay. up with this movie specific, uh, specifically too. But I grew up with I mean Nightmare Before Christmas, Frankenweenie, yeah. Pee Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, right? Uh, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, Edward Scissorhands, such a good movie. All of them. Um, and I mean, you know, for years, anytime one came out, Sleepy yeah. Hollow. Uh, 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 gosh, I he's made so many. Um, well, then he's, well, I might as well tell you, I, I started losing interest in Tim Burton movies around the time of Sleepy Hollow. I think, I, I, I would agree with you. Um, I, I guess he did Mars Attacks, which... Mars Attacks never played, really worked for me. It never worked for me. And I, I don't know why, it has so many good elements, but it just I didn't know. quite... It should have. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, the movie that everyone loves that I don't is Big Fish. No, I, I I can't agree with you on that one. I, I've I've probably seen it at least three times, and I do. People love Big Fish. It gets it pulls my heartstrings, man. I'm I'm into it. I'm de- I'm definitely the outlier. Uh, I enjoyed the Batman movies. So like I used to be all Team Burton, but I think he just, in my opinion, he sort of lost his way. Um, and everything feels sort of the same now, whether it's Alice in Wonderland or, um, I, I feel sort of like. He's or uh, what was the 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 Broadway show he did? Oh, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. I don't know. Everything feels derivative of himself. For me, the Sweeney possible? Todd, the source material on that has never really been my thing. Right. I like all the element. Like I like all the things about it. But then I actually hear the songs and I hear the play, and I'm like, this isn't really for me. I don't. I don't. This doesn't do anything for me. I'm looking up his films now because okay. I want to look at the list of films too. Well, because I'm kind of curious. Uh, Dumbo, really. He's what he's doing Dumbo. <laughs> he did Dumbo. It came out earlier this year. Oh, that's how Charlie and the that. Chocolate Factory. That's the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, just uh, not a big fan. I, uh, I Dark do Shadows. Think his, did you his, even see that? I didn't. I think he's has kind of his style has become kind of caricatured by himself. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like oh, we'll just do it like big budget special effects movie with like the gothy element. That's the Tim Burton recipe. And I was I want you know sometimes when that happens I I think that. Uh, oh, well, and then they got too much money and started too big of budgets. But, like, he always had pretty big budgets. Yeah, I mean, was, not always, but, you know, his first movies weren't cheap. Yeah, no, he was making... Um, Planet of the Apes, ugh. That was a weird one. And it's it's gotten very much <laughs> in the reboot territory, too. Uh, yeah. You know, he pretty much, almost exclusively seems to do reboots. I'm trying. I haven't seen any of these last few ones. Yeah, but I don't want to just sit here and bag on Tim Burton because Ed Wood is peak Tim Burton. Um, and I think it's the one that a lot of people haven't seen that have seen all those other early Tim Burton movies. Yeah, I think this one is a little lesser known too. It, for some reason, still, I think black and white films. Just, I know why executives fight against it. Um, I'm all for it when he it can happen. He lost his funding because he wanted to do it in black and yeah, white. And exactly. they had to, and they put it in turnaround and changed studios. Yeah. yeah. Like that's how much they're against it because I think it really does ultimately hurt the box office. 
<laughs> People think it's like an artsy movie and they won't go. There's a joke in this movie. There's a psych egg joke. I won't do it, Which but one? it only works because it's in black and white. Where there, where um, th- there's an actress that brings two dresses uh, oh, to, right. Ed, to Ed Wood as the director. <laughs> That's right. And it's like, which one looks better? And they bring it to the camera he's like, guy. like, the blue one or the green one? And he's like, I'm colorblind. <laughs> the I camera can't guy, tell. the cinematographer is colorblind. <laughs> Because that's the kind of crew that they had working on this. Oh, yeah. Well, there's so many funny lines in this movie. Um, and I'll go through them as we kind of go through the movie. But the cast is amazing. Uh, Martin Landau, of course, like we said, is Bella. Show stealer. Show stealer. Um, as is Bill Murray as <laughs> Bunny Breckenridge. He's so weird. I mean, who, he's uh, always weird. But... Oh, God, he was so great. And I, and I didn't know much about, I looked up a lot of these, the real people mm-hmm. afterward and did a little research. And I didn't know uh, Bunny Breckenridge was a, uh, he was a well-heeled, wealthy socialite and came from one of his grandparents was a vice president of the United States. And his other grandfather and his other grandfather founded the Wells Fargo Bank. Wow. So he like from every angle, he was born into like big, big money, and, like lived in Paris and lived, all, you know, all over the anywhere he wanted to live. And with all these big parties and he met up with Ed Wood and. Uh, became one of his, you know, that's another great part of this movie is this this sort of group of weirdos that he assembles. It really is a movie about, <laughs> yeah. Outsiders. Outsiders yeah. backing each other up. And I mean, even, they're not even always nice to each other or anything, but they're no. sort of, they sort of all are a clique because they have yeah. no one else. They've got Ed and everyone rallies behind him. And it's such a, like you feel yourself in this movie, like, yeah, man, everyone get behind him. And you find yourself forgetting that he's such a bad filmmaker. And that's sort of one of the little magic tricks of this movie, I think. Absolutely. You know, at, at the end when they're making Plan 9 and he comes back after the Orson Welles meeting and the music swells and let's finish this picture. And everyone's like, yes, they're going to do it. It's like, wait a minute, Plan 9 is a masterpiece. Plan 9 is a masterpiece. Well, but you know what I mean? I mean, a masterpiece it was voted as like the worst film of all time. That's how it made its name. I've seen the movie so many times, Chuck. That's that's the kind of movie in my family that is like everyone quotes it all the time. Plan Nine, Plan Nine, wow. and Ed Wood too. He uh, had a cool family. The, you know, uh, they they grew up watching my parents uh, like Mystery Science Theater three thousand. You know, right? Uh, they the the love of B movies and bad movies uh-huh. and specifically Ed Wood is deeply ingrained in me. How old is your dad? Uh. 1962 he was born. Oh, okay. So he's nine years older than me. I'm just trying to gauge. Because if you were like, he's your age, dude. Because <laughs> <laughs> that could have happened. People have kids when they're 18, you know. Sure. Um, I would I would let you off the hook, though, for having a young father who... I wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't. <laughs> <on the hook. laughs> I'm just trying to imagine if you were my son. Wouldn't that be weird? It's possible. It would be weird to find out <laughs> suddenly. Yeah. If we had grown up together, we'd be less weird. <laughs> Is that what you called me in here for? Per- perfect. Re- <laughs> exactly. Guess what? Um, Movie so, Crush is getting all Maori on. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, so Bill Murray is in it. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is great <laughs> she's so in this good. role. She's, I mean, she's a she's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but she's really good in it, though. She's so good. And I also found out that um, in real life, it, she got kind of upset when the movie came out because... She was like, I left Ed because of his alcoholism. Right. Um, which killed him. He said, which was not portrayed in the movie. Because, yeah. I mean, that's a big bummer. The, 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 you know, that's not what this movie was supposed to be, because that would have sucked if you showed him in the throes of alcoholism. And that's why he really lost his wife. 
Yeah, we've got a dramatic liberty. Um, but yeah, yeah they, they, they kind of made her more of a caricature than she really was. Yeah, and apparently she went on to be a songwriter. Yes, very, a very uh, successful songwriter. Yeah. She wrote for, songs for Elvis. Yeah. yeah, that's all I need to know. <laughs> Uh, who else is in it? Patricia Arquette in a kind of a smaller part, but oh, but she's the but she's, she's great. This, the the second girlfriend, and she's actually the one and wife. Yeah, right, right. Uh, her and in real life, I, what, do you remember the name of the? Uh, I don't remember her name. Kathy uh, Wood. Oh, Kathy I mean, Wood. Yeah, she took his name. Yeah, they went and basically like kind of walled up in a, an apartment in you know in L.A. somewhere. And he drank himself to death was the end of his life. Yeah. They were both, I think, ended up being really uh, bad alcoholics. So I think she outlived him by a number of years, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she did. But I think they were, you know. A very I'm, sad end to his story, though, in real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, of course, you're not going to show it in this film. There's Anyways, the, the film, the film, I think, uh, I've, I've read that Tim Burton tried to incorporate some of Ed Wood's optimism into it and let it sort of be colored through that lens. Oh, yeah. And so that's, it's, it's a joyous film. I mean, the it end really of, is. I mean, things are going wrong all the time. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, we keep going. Yeah, I love it when he gets that, that uh, first, well, the first very bad review at the beginning. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, look, they commented on the costumes. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. some reviews don't even give that. Or when he's on the phone trying to raise money and they talked about what dog shit uh, Glenn or Glenda was. He goes, well, my next one will be better. Yes. <laughs> And it is he, he turns that review about the costumes into saying that it was praised for its realism. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, the the cross dressing thing is introduced pretty early in the movie. Um, that's obviously from his real life. Angora. Uh, yeah. Loved Angora. Look back in Angora. Mm. Wasn't that one of his films? Or is that something else? I don't know. I think it was. Um, but he has that first interview with a guy, and again with that that mid Atlantic accent. He, I'm all man. I even fought in WW2. Uh, he just liked to wear women's clothes. Yeah. It's really interesting. And one woman accepts that and one, well, apparently it was cooked up for the movie, but uh, one woman does not. And he baked it into his career too because Glenn or Glenda, have you ever seen Glenn or Glenda? No. So it looks weird. It is so much weirder really? than they could possibly. It's a bizarre movie. And there's these shots of Bela Lugosi superimposed with stock footage of Buffalo. Yeah, they show that in Ed Wood. And he's going, blow the string! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then it's, and then it's a story about, yeah, a man coming out uh, uh, about his cross-dressing to mm-hmm. his girlfriend, and then she does that scene where she takes off her Angora sweater. Right, and gives it to him. And <laughs> holds yeah, it yeah. over to him. It's in there. Which is, you know, um, if I don't know if this was the original cover or not, but like if you look up Glenda Glenda now, that's the image that you will see. Right. Yeah, I think I've seen that before. That's still image. And they recreate, I mean, the, the recreations in this movie oh, so are great. on point for what they are in, in the real movie, in, in the actual Ed Wood films. Yeah, especially if you're like a fan of Plan 9, like at the end to see that stuff being shot is really just so cool. And, and just shot for shot exactly what it looks oh, like. Oh, yeah. And yeah. George Animal Steel is like the spitting image of Tor Johnson. It's uncanny. It really is. Yeah. Like they did a good job with the casting all the way around, I think. Uh, Lisa Marie is Vampira. Looked yes. a lot like her. Yes. Also uncanny. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think that really added to the film if you're a fan of the original material. How could you not be? To see if, them lighting if, if those flying saucers. If you aren't, it's just because you haven't watched it enough. <laughs> lighting those flying saucers on fire and dangling in front of a pole. And then every time you see his face, and he's just <laughs> like, he can barely contain himself. He's so excited to be making movies. Every time they're doing this, almost every time they're doing a scene, 
they'll cut back to Ed and you, they'll show oh, him yeah. mouthing the words yeah. that the actors are saying. <laughs> and it's Johnny Depp doing, and it's... it's That's one of my favorite bits in the movie. So it's Johnny Depp playing Ed Wood sort of on the sidelines, playing the characters that he's written. Right, right. And watching him filter all that is, oh, man. is, a, is a masterpiece. Yeah, It's so good. Um, Bella Lugosi has some great lines, too. Um, his love of, of Bella is just, their friendship is so endearing and so special, I think. Uh, because he was in a, you know, all that is true, too. He was in a very bad way later in his career and addicted to morphine and methadone. And uh, Yeah, there were some differences. He got remarried. Um, his son was involved in his life, so he wasn't quite as alone right. as he is in the real film. But and yeah. apparently was a good father. His son has, has nothing but great things oh, to okay. say uh-huh. and looks just like him. Oh, and also apparently never said curse words. Yeah, I saw that, too. Because, I mean, some of the best stuff in this movie is Bella. I mean, that's one of the first things he says is, now no one gives two fucks for Bella. <laughs> well, and it, it, when someone brings up Boris Karloff Oh, my him, God. And he yeah. just gets so irate. Uh, in my family, there's a couple of uh, Bela, Bella lines that we would always say. It's like the one where he's doing this. Yeah, yeah. Edward's like, With my hand. God, Bela, yeah. how do you do that? <laughs> you have to be double-jointed <laughs> and Hungarian. <laughs> Or the one so where he comes great. up, he calls him over because he's he's OD'd or he's, you know, yeah. he's in the... Oh, God, that throws, scene is heavy, man. Oh, there's there's a lot of... um. I, my, this was a movie that uh, my mom had to, like, explain to me what was going on. Like, this is Oh, I'm sure. Because yeah. I was a little kid when I first saw it. But he goes over, he's, you know, uh, Bella's overdosed or, or in a bad way because of some, some drugs and uh, calls Eddie over and, and he's like... Ed, Ed wants to take him to the hospital. He's yeah. like, no, 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 not the hospital, just the couch. And he brings him to the couch. He's like, Bella, is there anything I can get for you? And Bella's like, make me some goulash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to make goulash. <laughs> and so that, you know, I don't know if it's because my family's Slovakian. A oh, bit. okay. My, from my mom's lineage is Slovakian, uh-huh. but we would make goulash, and that was one. Right. <laughs> Eddie, make me goulash. <laughs> that was, that's one of those that just stands out. Another one of my favorite lines is, you know, everyone, one of the running jokes is everyone thinks Bella's dead. I'm like, oh, I thought he was dead. Yes. And the first time that said is uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. I thought he was dead. He goes, no, he's very much alive. <laughs> well, sort of. Because <laughs> you're introduced to him laying in a coffin. Oh, yeah. There's, it's hard to even explain because there's, so, there's so many levels going on. There's so many sight gags going on all the time in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Karloff, he does not deserve to smell my shit. <laughs> so great. Uh, he really did have films uh, that, I don't know if he made them, but he pitched called The Ghoul Goes West and Dr. Uh, Acula. Dr. Acula. <laughs> I get it. I don't like it. It's crazy back in the day, though, like that you could get a meeting, you know. Mm. I mean, it's not like today. Like, you can't get a meeting with a studio executive unless, like, you're incredibly well-connected and, you know, well-heeled and you've done something great. But, like, I think back in Hollywood in those days, he... He makes a phone call and takes a meeting. And he's just working on, he's working like on the back lot. He's like delivering uh, plants for, yeah. to a movie set and just like meeting people, hangs out in the stock library, uh, 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 stock footage library for a little bit. Yeah, it does. It, there is a sort of idealized uh, version of Hollywood depicted in the film too. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, that you could just have this uh, fundraiser at the Brown Derby. And, like, get all your money if you can get Vampira to go over and talk to these guys. Right. <laughs> it's such a sad scene. 
Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. It was funny, you were talking about the, the Bella Lugosi footage with the buffalo. Stock footage superimposed. And earlier hearing you say, like, I don't like to waste tape. Like, I think that was Ed Wood's deal, too. <laughs> oh, God. Like, he used everything I know. <laughs> he used everything he shot, it seems like. Yeah. You know? That 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 final footage that he shot is actually outside of Tor Johnson's house. In real life? Of, Tor yeah, Johnson's in real house? life. Okay. Outside of Tor Johnson's house, that footage of Bela Lugosi. Smelling the flowers. Smelling the flowers. Yeah. Uh, and he really did have that little can of footage. And they build when they when Plan Nine came out, they build it as Bela Lugosi's last movie. Right? Uh, yeah, not one to waste tape. Yeah, that is crazy. I wonder uh, what they're how they truly met in real life. If that was that's a great point. If that was true, because I looked that up and I couldn't really find anything. I just found that they did befriend each other after he was sort of washed up. And that's one of the, one of the interesting films that this one of the th- interesting things that this film does is that it takes and fills in all these gaps that we'll never know, that are just question marks in history. Sure. Uh, but, it, but it takes these little pieces, these little ephemeral moments that we have documentation of, like we have Plan 9, we know what it looks like. Yeah. And so in recreating that and filling in the gaps of the other, of the other parts that, we, that are just question marks, yeah. you get to transport back to that moment and really yeah. live in it in a way that is connected with reality, but also sort of its own thing. Yeah, and it's crazy that Tim Burton managed to make a movie uh, that celebrated um, creativity and and craftsmanship, uh, and it was a true love letter to mm-hmm. filmmaking. While it's a movie about the worst filmmaker who ever lived, that's acrobatics. I mean, you know, what a feat. I mean, it's kind of a bit of genius, idea wise. Mm-hmm. Like to tell the story of Ed Wood, you could have done it a number of ways, um, but like to make it a love letter to Hollywood and to filmmaking and to the man himself 
you know, because he's portrayed as this sort of great mind. It's not suggested. I mean, the one guy says your movies are bad. Sarah Jessica Parker melts down at one point and screams, these movies are terrible. But other than that, like everyone is so down and like following like lockstep right behind this guy. I think you probably have to have that to get as many movies made as he did because he made like I don't know seven eight nine movies. Yeah, he made more than are than are covered in that. He made one in between, like in this timeline, the Night of the Ghoul or something like that. Not the Ghoul Goes West. <laughs> Not the I don't know that the Ghoul Goes. I do. I have a friend that has seen every Ed Wood movie. Oh wow! Yeah, interesting. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, an accomplishment. Yeah, 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 for sure. I have a sort of a love-hate relationship with that stuff because it's certainly kitschy and kind of fun, but I've never been one to like, I even remember in college when, you know, everyone sat down to watch Reefer Madness, mm. thinking like, uh, getting very tired of it very fast. Reefer Madness sucks. Yeah. Like, it's not a good, it's not a good <laughs> bad movie. It's just, I watched it with my father-in-law not that long ago. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's worth watching because sure. it's just this sort of legendary thing, but it just doesn't make any sense. It, it's interesting as a time piece in a time capsule you know but but the 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 plot doesn't even function in a way to like warn people about marijuana it right. gets so sidetracked in this dumb story about yeah. teenagers but they're all played by adults yeah yeah anyway i have all kinds of issues with reefer madness plan nine perfect okay i wouldn't change a thing about it <laughs> now glenn or glenn is a harder one to watch and i have seen bride of the monster too uh-huh. uh, slash bride of the atom because i think it, it changed names right yeah um, it was bride of the atom initially and it's got some, uh, I mean, it's got that great Bell Lugosi, home, I have no home. Yeah. Uh, and it's got lots of Tor Johnson. Uh, but I do think I fell asleep while I watched it. That's so great how he just picked up these random people, this uh, former wrestler and this washed up junkie movie star and all these, you know, the, the, it was the guy that played one of the cops and in the little postscript of uh, Ed Wood said that he, he went on to be in many, many more movies and was known as... Uh, as the what of bad movies, the uh, the Marlon Brando of bad movies. Yeah, it wasn't Brando, but it was something like was. that. So somebody who was really pro- prolific, basically, mm. which is so hysterical that he just collected these weirdos. I think he needed that though. Like he clearly needed, like Patricia Arquette's character Kathy is so important because he had to have this support, you know, yeah, from a woman. I think especially, like in his private life. Mm. Like he needed people to rally around him, which I thought was really interesting. It's it's really kind of a, a small miracle that he was able to make that network of st- strange, you know, outcast yeah. folks and get these bizarre movies made. Because these are, you know, there's a million B monster movies that have been made. There's a yeah. reason that the Ed Wood movies have have maintained this legacy all these years later. Yeah, you're and it's right. sort of sad that he never got to be a part of that. I mean, you know, it might be nicer that he did pass away before. He was labeled the worst director of all time because right. I'm sure that would have been bad for him. But I wonder if it would have been like uh, with the room guy who, you know, was kind of like, oh, yeah, I always meant to, uh, what's his name? Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, Tommy Wiseau. Kind of, didn't he, I mean, at least as portrayed in the disaster <laughs> artist, was sort of like, yeah, I meant this to be oh, he, Yeah, he, at some point he took funny. a 180 and is like, oh, yeah. When That's Ed Wood me. is clearly like, thinks he's doing great things. This is very sweet and, and naive. But he, yeah, I mean, if if he only could know now how much, because there's also like, if if I watch the thing and I enjoy it, if I yeah, watch Plan Nine sure. and I'm laughing the whole time, I watched like, you know, I had to go to sleep. I watched like the first 15 minutes of it last night after I watched Ed Wood. Yeah, and I wanted to watch the whole thing, but I was totally, you know, exhausted. And, right. Uh, 
if I'm watching it and I'm laughing and I'm having fun, yeah, it's a good movie to me. Yep. But it's a bad movie. It's like, what is? What, no, I know. I think what uh, is good? You know, what is good? What is bad? Yeah. I mean, he's bringing joy into people's life with his work through Plan Nine. Um, and you're right. There are a gazillion bad B movies, but there are a few that like have lived on. Uh, and it's not. I mean, it is for a reason. And it's not because. I mean, there were there were way worse movies than Plan Nine. Yeah, I mean, how do you say the worst movie of all time? I don't know. I guess it gets weird to quantify. I mean, there's certainly like, like how there's many very mistakes famous did you movies. make. I'm sorry. Is it like how many mistakes did they make? Oh, they certainly have a lot of continuity errors <laughs> and things. It goes day, night, day, night. Yeah. Like the, they'll, you know, they'll hit a gravestone and the whole set will shake because right. it's all cardboard. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad movie. That means you don't have much money. But, but I mean, to be fair, it's a very bad movie. Oh, sure. It's so... It, no, the acting is so, good. The, the acting is so dumb. The writing is <laughs> is very repetitive, and uh, sometimes Edward will write four lines to try and say something that someone could say in like a couple of words. Yeah, <laughs> economy of words. It's a big deal with screenwriting, and it just it doesn't make any sense. You can't really follow what's going on. Yeah. But I I in a bizarre way, I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I no, really do. I'm with you. Um, and, and it's really great. Like, it's very perfectly set up um, act-wise in this movie that you get all this great backstory. And then that third act, um, as Bella, he gets to call that Bella's dead. It really, that's a great pivot point into that whole third act sort of being the the plan nine thing and his, his magnum opus. Mm-hmm. And like this great feeling that you get when you're watching him do this awful thing. Again, you forget, mm. you know. It yeah. feels like fucking Rudy or like some sports movie. It's like he's winning. Yeah. He's doing it. <laughs> uh, the baptism stuff, he gets funding, of course, from the Church of Beverly Hills. And that baptism scene is like one of the funniest in the movie, I think. <laughs> With both Ed and uh, Bill Murray. And Bill Murray when Bunny gets baptized. <laughs> Do you reject Satan and all his evils? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of struggles to get out of the pool. Oh, it's great. splashing around. You can see the actor sort of laughing, the guy who baptizes him. Because oh, you, you're so focused on Murray, if you look at that guy, he's kind of cracking up. I think, <laughs> this is just a guess. I, I haven't read this anywhere. I think Murray got free room to improvise some of those spots. Oh, I'm sure. There's one where he's in, um, they're casting a part. And uh, it's for Glenn and Glenda. And it's... Um, Men dressed in women's clothing, all in this casting office. <laughs> and he's going around just kind of critiquing them. And he's like, he's complimenting one. He's insulting you one. You can tell he's making that stuff up. I think he's just, and it's just roaming camera. I think he's just totally riffing. Yeah, there. yeah. He's got to be. Because that just feels like Bill Murray being Bill Murray. And they really never explain what his function is in the movies. He's just sort of there. Yeah. And he does a little comic relief. I think that was the case yeah. in real life, too. I think Bunny Breckenridge was a fringe friend. Yeah. Was in that movie, but he wasn't in the rest of his movies. Mm. He didn't put up any money, which is interesting because he was wealthy. He's in Plan Nine, uh, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, that's mm. the only one that he was oh, in I see what you're, yeah, yeah. as the the. Well, I can't remember his character's name. <laughs> He's like the, the ruler of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, the or ruler something. of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. What about glitter? <laughs> Anytime uh, I did my shows in Paris, I did glitter. <laughs> yeah, then he's like, you're the ruler of the galaxy. Have some class. Right. Something like that. <laughs> but in in real life, Bunny Breckenridge uh, lived to see this movie come out. He lived to mm. be 93 years old, I oh, think, wow. which is amazing. And I think even at the end of this movie, they said that he's still alive and, oh, right. and whatever. I think he died not too long after this. But a couple, I think, obviously Bella was dead, but 
Well, you know, we haven't mentioned Happy. Criswell at all. Oh, yeah. The great Criswell. Yeah. Who was a real dude would just go on yep. like The Tonight Show and stuff and right. just, just go up and up. make bizarre, <laughs> yeah, bizarre predictions uh-huh. of uh, people living on Mars. And Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But another sign of Ed's... Um, sort of sweet naivete like he he believes him <laughs> and he's you can tell how heartbroken he is when Criswell says like you know I'm just making all this shit up it's like it's just a total act and Ed is crestfallen he says it's show business if you yeah. look good and you wear a tuxedo right people will buy your shit essentially yeah and like smash cut essentially to uh Edward has now grown a mustache right <laughs> that's the next shot <laughs> that great Johnny Depp pencil thin mustache. Yeah, and he's and he's and he's doing a fundraiser at the Brown Derby. Right? Yeah, yeah, so good, man. Such a funny movie. I forgot how funny it was. I it has been years since I have seen it, and it was wonderful to rewatch it again. Yeah, the end, the very end when, uh, you know, he does have that great premiere when packed theater house, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, "This is the one I'll be remembered for," mm-hmm. and it's like it's true. That's kind of the it's cool thing line. about that line, like that was the one. It's true. And, you know? It, you know, it's funny that Ed Wood is a household name to some extent. I know. It really is. Yeah. I mean, how many how many bad B-movie directors were there back then? Hundreds. And you, many, no one yeah. knows a single, a single person except for Ed Wood. He's the leader <laughs> of the pack in that way, yeah. Uh, so great. Uh, anything else in Ed Wood? Do you think he, we got this one? Oh, I mean, there's... You you could talk about it forever. (laughs) I mean, you know, one of the reasons that I thought that it would be a good uh, choice, and I think a better choice, you know, potentially, uh, or at least more to talk about than than doing the point, which I do genuinely love, uh, is because of the component of using ephemera. Not only did Ed Wood use this old stock footage, the stock footage guy says even in the scene, he's like, I'm probably going to seal this up, this, you know, footage yeah. of buffaloes and octopuses and stuff like that. I'm going to yeah, seal yeah. it up and no one's ever going to use it again. And Ed Wood was so thrilled by this. I can make a whole movie out yeah. of this stuff, he says. He just, he needs that product in his hand. Yeah. Like, that's what it's about for him. It's like having film to work with. And then, so the element of ephemera in, ephemeral, you know, films inside of, of Ed Wood's movie, yeah. the movies that Ed Wood made are totally ephemeral too. It's a it's a bizarre coincidence of fate that we have them to watch still. Yeah. You know, there's like three versions of plan nine streaming on Amazon right now for free. Wow. And, um, uh, Glenn or Glenda and a bunch of others. Yeah. You can watch it, uh, plan nine in black and white color or with the riff tracks guys commenting on it. Oh, they did it. Oh yeah. Of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, man. Cause in a hundred years, they'll be watching plan nine from outer space, you know? Well, let's hope so. People aren't going to forget. Let's hope so. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, All right, dude. Well, we'll finish with five questions. Um, five questions? What's the first movie you remember seeing in the theaters? Well, I was going to say... I'm glad I, you're surprised by this. I did see uh, Plan 9 colorized with uh, riff tracks in the theaters in a simulcast with my whole family. But that's not the question you're asking. That wasn't the first movie. <laughs> no, that's Aladdin, great, I think. Uh, the Disney movie Aladdin. Oh, okay. 1982. Are you, are you into that new one? The live action thing? I do not know when movies come out. I like do not. I my ears are to the ground at like 1911 or something. I'm so out of touch. Yeah, that's great. There's a new Aladdin live action Aladdin movie out. Okay, starring Will Smith as the genie. Oh, I heard Noel told me about it. God bless you, Alex. <laughs> I love it. You are so you. Well, you know, who else could I be? Uh, first R-rated movie you saw? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, 
my parents were really strict about Same. what we about what we could consume. So I I don't even know if I can remember that. I think Clockwork Orange was pretty early in there. I saw Clockwork Orange when I was a teenager, okay. which is an X-rated movie. Yeah. So maybe I can answer with that. And then my dad had it like on VHS and I was like, is there anything like raunchy in the set? He's like, nah. And then we watched it together. And I remember being really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Sitting there, you know, in the living room with my dad watching this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, a fantastic film about oh, of grisly subject matter. Yeah. All right. Man, that's tough. <laughs> uh, will you walk out of a bad movie? Or or do you sit it out in a theater? I try really hard not to go to bad movies. Yeah, good answer. Um, I'm pretty picky. Yeah. Uh, I can't even think of the last movie I saw in the theater, though. Um, have I ever walked out of a movie? I've fallen asleep in the movie theater a couple of times. I fell asleep during Inception. It's because it was boring. It was so <laughs> overrated. People loved Inception. I, I think Christopher Nolan made some like Waiting. It's a great movie. Memento. Memento was awesome. Uh, you know, The Batman Begins. That's yeah, I like those Batman movies. I liked uh, the, uh, the the war movie, the, the Dunkirk, I thought was good. Oh, I haven't seen Dunkirk yet. Um, but uh, yeah, Inception just, I don't know, and Interstellar, I didn't like either one of them that much. I liked the Magician one, whichever that's... Whatever. Yeah, the prestige, that was good. But then it, it was a little hokey, too. It's like, but there's a twist. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're always going to do that, aren't you? That's but true. I don't know. He he certainly knows his craft. I, oh, yeah. I I'm think, not bagging uh, on Chris Nolan. Yeah. Like, but uh, Inception didn't do anything. So anyways, I don't know if I answered your question. Walk out. I just fall asleep, I guess is my answer. All right, well, that's sort of, you're mentally walking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I have fallen asleep in more movies, but that's the one that stands out in my mind. No, that counts, I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that. I'm going to start saying from now on, will you walk out or fall asleep during okay. a bad movie? <laughs> I'm glad I had a lasting impact on the five questions. How about another, I mean, can you think of another, and I, I hate using the word obscure because I know it bugs you, but I feel like you, since you've turned people onto the point, what, what other thing you think is underseen, uh, like criminally underseen thing, film? Oh, I think there's, I mean, there's so many. Um, 1934, mm -hmm. Evergreen, directed by Victor Seville, uh, starring Jesse Matthews. I don't know who any of these people are. Victor Seville, I'm um, British, so it's British. Okay. Um, think of like, who's the guy that does this, um, like did the, Ma directed MASH, the movie MASH? Robert Altman. These, think of like an Altman film where there's tons of characters yeah, and yeah. the camera just going around yeah and there's all these extras and there's all these conversations happening and just uh -huh. joke here and something here and just all these yeah the opening shot of evergreen and really victor seville's canon that i've seen which is only i've only seen he made a ton of movies i've only seen a few of them he just had this this was the 1930s when movies started getting really big and amazing right. and, and uh you could just do these incredible things mm -hmm. that you couldn't do in cinema before because the technology wasn't there right. and because you know the the medium had just had just gotten to a place now uh the the plot is ridiculous i won't go into it but it involves like faking a death and stuff or like lying about faking a death it's it's but it's a musical it's hilarious <laughs> and it's kind of raunchy oh interesting in a way that i don't think you see as much in like american movies from that time yeah. period you're thinking like this is like gone with the wind right where it was like a big deal that they said frankly my dear i don't give a damn right right and this is like way hotter yeah uh, the brits had their body humor yeah. for sure like their irreverence yeah they still I still do there certainly is some irreverence in this and there's some sincerity too uh the songs are some are some are not so great a few of them are captivating uh-huh uh, 
Uh, but I would think that I would say that that's something that uh, I think that counts. Evergreen, <laughs> check that out. And even if you think it might not be your cup of tea, like musical might turn you off or something. It's it's one of those. It's like you might think you would know what it was like, and then you see you're like, oh wait, there's right. a lot more to this than you know than my assumption would be. Yeah. So I just stumbled upon it the other day, and I was like, oh okay, there's a huge chapter of filmmaking here that I don't right. know anything about. Yeah, it's great discovering things like. You think you have seen it all at a certain point, and then you discover something new like that, or a whole new genre even, you know, or a subgenre that you're like, oh, my God, how did I not know this was a thing? I'm sure none of us have seen it all. Yeah, that's true. Uh, And then finally, number five, movie-going one-on-one. What's your movie-going ritual when you do go to the theater? Where do you like to sit? Do you eat stuff? Casey and I have had long discussions about this. <laughs> that doesn't um, surprise me. Because <laughs> we've gone, you know, there's, uh, there's a theater right here that does um, classic movies. Yeah, Midtown Art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, usually go get some chicken fingers or something. Okay. Drink at least one beer. I don't want to drink too many beers. Sure. Because you don't want to have to pee a lot. No, I'm with you. Uh, I don't want to get up during the movie. Yeah, I don't drink at movies. Yeah, no. I'm not, I'm, and I want to, you know, just pay attention. But so, you know, the movie doesn't start till seven. Right. Leave work at five. Get some food. Have a beer. Yeah. Go to the movie. Use the bathroom beforehand. Right. Uh, now, him and I have very different opinions, but we have sent together a few of these. So I think six rows back at Midtown Arts is, is where we're at. Six, seven rows. Okay. Uh, center. Right. Yeah. All right. And I watched all the credits. I sit all the way through all the credits at the end. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's a nice addition. No one ever throws that in. <laughs> <laughs> I try. So you I mean, watch all the credits. Very respectful. Those people. Uh, sure, man. You know, it's, it's, some of them, that might be the, their greatest work. That might be their biggest achievement. You yeah. know, and their name flashes by on a screen. That's right. Um, so, yeah. That's great, man. Hats off to you. <laughs> thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got a good sense of who Alex is. He, uh, he's someone that doesn't even know that there's a new Aladdin movie out. And that really kind of says it all. Alex is a great guy. We're very lucky to have him. And I was very lucky to have him in the studio today to talk about Ed Wood and Ephemeral. Uh, go check it out. Like I said, the penultimate uh, episode is out Monday. Uh, the final 10th episode will be out the following Monday. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcast, as you know, and it's really, really good. Uh, you can listen in any order. Um, like you said, they're not super sequential, but I would start out with that pilot. It's a real grabber and uh, just go from there. So big thanks to Alex. Hope you enjoyed listening in on uh, our conversation on Ed Wood. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. 
From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.